Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. I'm uh, Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard with the 960th Cyberspace Wing, and today with me I have... Master Sergeant Amanda Helbert, the Wing Career Advisor for the 433rd Airlift Wing, as well as the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Well, welcome. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today, right? So uh, when we talk about airman development and uh, the future of our airmen, the uh, Career Advisor is one of those key positions. I was wondering if you can kind of... Uh, Tell our listeners a little bit about what you do. We provide guidance to airmen. Um, we help them during the selective retention program when they're eligible for reenlistments or extensions. Also, we provide information on retraining opportunities and we process incentives or entitlements that airmen are eligible for. Okay, awesome. So as a supervisor, um, what kind of tools um, can I come to you for? So we have a lot of information on the 433rd Airlift Wing Wing Career Advisor SharePoint site. We have AFI references, and it's a quick guide for the member as well as supervisor to give direction to individuals because a lot of time that's what's lacking. They don't know where to go first. So supervisors can direct their airmen to the SharePoint as well as supervisors can go there and educate themselves on certain entitlements and processes that the career assistance advisors program works. Okay, so if I'm a brand new supervisor and I have an airman that is uh, approaching uh, their their end of term of service, right? Um, and uh, we're in that, that process of determining whether uh, they're going to re-enlist or not. Um, can you walk me through the process as a supervisor, what I need to do? Absolutely, Chief. So all individuals, when they're coming to their um, ETS or end of contract, they need to ensure that they're eligible for re-enlistment. So that we have a reenlistment worksheet that's posted on our SharePoint site. And there are certain steps that have to occur in order to be cleared for reenlistment. Okay. Um, for instance, they have to receive an Article 137 brief um, to provide UCMJ um, information, as well as the member has to be cleared by medical and recommended by the commander. Okay, so where would I find that 137 brief? Or who provides that? Actually, it's on our SharePoint. So the the SharePoint is a one-stop shop. We tried to streamline it and make it easy for uh, individuals to find the information rather than looking at five, six, seven different spots. Okay. And then also uh, very important there is uh, the timeline. So what's that? when does that timeline start and what's that process look from a timeline? So there's a few different timelines uh, when it comes to a member's career. So from the selective retention program is about seven to 14 months prior to their ETS, so expired term of service or their separation date. So this is an opportunity for supervisors or commanders to speak with individuals and provide different opportunities if they're on the fence for whether they want to stay in, get out, maybe retrain into a different um, job if they're not 100% satisfied with what they're doing. So Um, That's an important opportunity that supervisors and commanders can have with their airmen. And then once they get closer to that um, ETS date or separation date, within six months of that date, they can start the reenlistment process. So get cleared by medical, complete the necessary briefings, um, and then coordinate the reenlistment 
um, with their unit career advisor. Okay. Uh, just to kind of flesh that out a little bit. So at 14 months out, we get notified that, hey, this individual is coming up on their ETS, right? Um, and that starts the uh, SRP process, right? And uh, the paperwork starts going through the leadership, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and then that's when we first notify the member and the, the unit makes the first determination of what that, whether they're going to um, endorse that reenlistment, correct? That is correct. Okay. And then after that SRP is submitted to the MPF, we update it in the system. So if somebody's undecided whether they want to re-enlist or not, mm-hmm. um, it actually identifies it in the system for the group and wing career advisors to reach back out to that member once we're within three months of their ETS. Okay. So if we've gone to the 14 months and or we started at 14 months, the, the paperwork was processed, uh, the, the unit says, okay, we are on board. We, we are, we're going to endorse re-enlistment then uh, the member has that timeline up to the last day of that enlistment to make their to to reenlist correct that is correct now so. but um let's let's walk back why that's kind of bad waiting to the last day right let's go back a little bit what's the earliest date that an individual can uh, do the reenlistment the earliest date is six months prior if they're not receiving an incentive if okay. they are receiving an incentive payment, they have to re-enlist within 30 days of their ETS. Okay, so that's a good, really key piece, right? So if I know that I'm going to get an uh, incentive uh, bonus, then I need to do it that 30 days before. Otherwise, I could uh, make myself ineligible, correct? So it's um, if you're currently receiving a bonus oh, okay. that you have to re-enlist within 30 days because you must complete that full contract in order to receive your entire entitlements. Okay, awesome. Any other key points or um, timelines there in that that 14-month window from uh, being notified to the end of of term? So they just need to do it by the seventh month prior to the ETS and provide that paperwork back to the wing level or the uh, the MPF in order to update in the system. Okay. So I want to cover down up first, you know, let's let's peel the Band-Aid off on the ugly first, right? And say, okay, let's say as an airman, I've decided that I don't want to re-enlist. What items do I need to accomplish prior to that final day? So if you don't want to re-enlist, it's very imperative that the airman is out processing properly at the unit as well as at the MPF level. So the member can verify their record is up to date, receive any um, DD-214s to verify the service that they performed, make sure their awards and decorations are up to date, as well as providing an exit survey for the career advisors so we can see what's working well in units and um, what we can possibly improve on. Right. And that's really where we want that airman to call the ugly baby, right? Tell us what really is the issue um, with, uh, with service, if there was one, right? Or if it's just personal, correct? Absolutely. And, and the survey is 100% anonymous, so we're not giving names out. We're just giving the information that they provide to us mm-hmm. um, so they can be honest and, and give us the feedback that, that we need to hear. So from your perspective, why is that important? It's very important because then we can um, keep the right individuals and make changes to improve the organizations. Right. So um, I would say that as well, you know, kind of piggyback on that um, from a leadership role, why that is important. Um, When we talk about finance issues, when we talk about the DTS issues that we've seen over the last few years, um, those are that helps us articulate the message to leadership that here's a significant issue that's causing retention issues. It's putting undue burden on your uh, on the airmen, which uh, helps give us a little bit more strength in fighting some of those issues. Right. 
So that's a big why. So even if as, as a member, I don't want to continue to serve, um, this last act of service with that uh, that survey could be the thing that helps drive the change that that you so that that individual wanted, right? So let's go to the the, the much more uh, nice part of it. The the part that I hope that we get to more often than not is I've decided as an airman uh, to, to go ahead and reenlist. Um, so uh, what what items do I need to accomplish to get my reenlistment paperwork started uh, in that? Towards the end of that timeline. So absolutely. Like I said, they have to complete the reenlistment worksheet, which has mandatory requirements. Um, after that, then they'll coordinate the reenlistment with an officer that they select and uh, perform the reenlistment. During that time, they may be eligible for an incentive if they are in a critical um, job or AFSC. So those are additional um, incentives that they can receive and entitlements to help keep them in the service. Okay, awesome. Let's say that I have an inclination to serve, but I'm not necessarily happy with the, the career that I'm currently in. Do I work with you as a career advisor to, to help myself uh, find uh, other options? Absolutely. That's a great question. So a lot of people think once they're in the reserves, they have to go through a recruiter if they want to change jobs. Okay. Um, they actually come through the career advisors and at the MPF level, um, we have multiple offices that help facilitate the retraining action. So first stop can be the career advisors, and then we can direct them to what is required to retrain, possibly look at their record and see what they qualify for as far as jobs and okay. the availability within the wing to, to help fill vacant positions across the wing. Right. And you're in a unique position, um, seeing that you support both uh, the 433rd and the 960th. So you have purview across the almost a large gambit of AFSCs within the Air Force. So I would argue, for the most part, we have a large percentage of, a of, of the AFSCs in the Air Force in JBSA that you might have access to, right? Absolutely. And, th and that's the advantage because with the retraining, once you're in the service, both the losing commander and the gaining commander, if you're transferring units, have to agree for the transfer. Because retraining does cost, it does take time to send members to technical school. That is an opportunity for someone to change the job and align it with more their goals and ultimately help out the Air Force. Right. And, you know, when uh, that, that determination is being made, you know, there's a number of things that are being looked at. But uh, from your experience, it, it, it can be um, fairly simple, especially when we're talking about airmen and NCO tiers, right, of, of finding those new positions and finding that growth opportunity, right? Absolutely. It's all about networking and then being the wing career advisor for two wings, it provides that network opportunity. I can reach out to those senior arts and help facilitate interviews to get the right individuals in the right positions. Right. And I would challenge that uh, any individual that comes to you uh, looking for some knowledge and uh, some input to what these different AFSCs offer, um, we can make that connection. Right. And then I might be able to have uh, like a shadow day so you can see what that AFSC does. Um, and, and then get a good feel for, is this the right AFSC for me? Absolutely. And, and we want to get individuals in, in jobs that they like so they have the motivation and, and purpose behind what they're doing. Right. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, uh, the, that's some of the beauty of being a citizen airman is, uh, you know, I'm volunteering to be here uh, on a weekend and we're looking for that connection of, of the uniform and having that purpose. Right. That's part of our job as leaders and, and you as a career advisor. Is there anything else that uh, the uh, wing or a unit career advisor might do? 
Yes, absolutely. So a big thing that um, the group and wing career advisors handle is the incentive program. Okay. So right now, uh, across both wings, we have over 400 individuals that are currently getting incentives. So each year, AFRC publishes critical jobs that are eligible for incentives. So if somebody wants to retrain into that job, that's an opportunity that, that they have, as well as it's a, a retainability tool and retention tool to keep individuals who may get more money on the outside doing the same thing, but get that kind of incentive to keep them in the Air Force and, and help the mission. So um, are there just one kind of incentive pays or there's what, what kind of incentive pays are out there? There's a a lot of incentive pay out right. there. So officers have different um, incentives as well as enlisted. Uh, there are different values depending on if you complete a six-year contract or a three, four, five-year contract. There's different amounts. Right. Um, the six-year contract, you can get $15,000. Um, three, four, five-year is $7,500. And it's based, the payments are based off of your participation during the drill weekend. So whether you're on an order, long-term orders over the drill weekend, or just performing uh, one weekend a month, that's how your payments are prorated. Okay, gotcha. And then also, um, you know, if I'm looking at other AFSCs, let's just say that I have an inclination that after a few years of doing the cyber thing, I'm just done and I, I want to be, a, let's say, a, a loadmaster. Um, there's other, you would have the insight on what uh, what that timeline looks like, as well as, uh, you know, what flight pay might look like for uh, for time and, and everything like that, correct? Yes. And in the Career Advisor Program, there are a lot of other um, offices that handle portions of what we do. So we're resourced to kind of direct individuals to the appropriate office that can better answer. Because finance handles a lot of uh, pay things that we do not as the Career Advisor, but we have right. direct line of contacts with those offices to give the best information to the individuals. Okay. Um, there's also, uh, so when we talk about incentives, there's uh, travel incentives that come with certain AFSCs. Um, and locality incentives, correct? Absolutely. That is the inactive duty training um, program, so travel program. So if a member lives greater than 150 miles outside of the duty location where they're training and they're doing performing their drill weekends, okay. they may be eligible for mileage reimbursement up to $500 um, if they're listed on the critical AFSC. And every year on the fiscal year, so one October, AFRC publishes the incentive listing for, for bonuses, right. as well as the uh, IDT travel reimbursement. And then also going into that is um, seasonal training program is another opportunity that career advisors like to educate members on. That's when they complete tech school. And then depending if they have a critical a AFSC, um, AFRC can um, pay for them to come out on orders in order to learn their job rather than trying to get upgraded just on the drill weekend. Right. And that's the infamous STP, right? Yes, it is. Um, versus a prop tool. Correct. Okay. And it depends on the AFSC uh, and how that works, right? Um, I'd like to step back just a little bit uh, to uh, we're talking about the CSL, the critical skills list, um, the IDT travel uh, funds, and the importance of making sure that if you do uh, live outside of the local area, having the correct address so that the qualification based on the CSL all matches up in MILFITS because that's where that, that disconnect happens more often than not, right? Absolutely. And when the, the CSS, they're the ones that, that um, generate the order in order to get that um, money back or that incentive paid out. 
the address, like you said, has to be correct. So individuals should be updating their record of emergency data um, yearly, and that will help ensure that the correct address is listed so they get their full entitlements. Right. And then also uh, some clarification, it's not a flat rate. It's based on the actual, uh, it's up to $500. Uh, so it's an actual cost up to $500, and that's where it maxes out. Right? That's correct. It bases it off of the miles as long as they're over 150 miles from the, the duty location. Okay, awesome. So uh, when we look at your position, my position, we really start talking about um, talent management. And, and what do you see your role in, in talent management from a career advisor perspective? So the role that I see in talent management is just advising members, taking a look at their records, seeing what they may be eligible for, and just having a conversation. What do they enjoy doing? What do they enjoy while serving in the military? And try to align um, their needs or wants with how it can help the Air Force. So aligning those individuals into the appropriate positions. Right, yeah. So yeah, there's needs, there's wants, there's there's a balance, and then what we qualify for, and then how do we make that happen? Also, I want to clarify that you're not part of recruiting at all, correct? That's correct. So there's no quotas, there's no uh, incentives for, for you to push individuals in any one direction, correct? That is correct. We're here to help the airmen. We're here to educate and provide guidance. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a personal question is, why did you want to be a career advisor? The reason I wanted to be a career advisor is because I love helping people. I love teaching. I love training. I love just giving information. So I have been lucky in my career to work in many different offices um, across the personnel platform. Um, I've worked in force management, career development, so the different areas. So I have a lot of knowledge that I want to share with individuals to make sure that they're on a right path to meeting what they, they want or need. Okay. So now I'm going to put two things together. If you don't mind, uh, you know, working with me on this one. Um, So you've got your passion and you have your experience. What frustrates you with this job? Because I can imagine for me, you know, the the frustration to have that love in that position is just underutilization of what you do. So Chief, I'd say the biggest frustration is um, trying to get the right message, trying to get it out to the masses and right. educate people on what we do. Because what you don't know, you don't know. Right. And, and I found that a lot, even with my unit level career advisors and group career advisors, the training that was provided was not necessarily what they needed to succeed in the program. So okay. just getting that information, getting on these podcasts or commander's call to, to get the information out there and hopefully get people to to start listening and asking questions. Um, I hate when somebody comes and they're like, I was doing incentive two years ago and they never asked why they haven't received a payment. Right. So okay. those are just things that I think I'm frustrated with and just ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask. At the wing level, we're approachable. Right. We've got the group career advisors to help on the UTAs and then on the UTAs, also the unit career advisors. So individuals have several levels that they can go to for information. Okay, some good points, right? I mean, because the the end goal for uh, for what we're here at uh, is to find the right fit for them, find uh, what's going to work for them, and match that with the needs of the Air Force, right? And, and finding that that place so that we can get to a good, strong why, um, why we were, why we put the uniform on, and why do I take uh, this time away from my family and my career to do this on a regular basis, right? And what are your thoughts on that? I, I completely agree with you, Chief. Like. 
we want to keep the right people in the right positions. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do to help, like you said, the needs of the Air Force. Okay, awesome. So any uh, anything you want to add did I, or that you want to get out to uh, the 433rd and to the 960th uh, Airmen? I just want to close with just thank you for everything that everyone does. Like it's truly appreciated the dedication from our airmen and leadership and the support that our career advisors, at least specifically, have received from the 960th. Awesome. Okay, so what I'd like to just say is thank you for all the effort that you put in, right? Um, I know that uh, for a career advisor at the unit, at the group, um, at the wing, sometimes it just feels like it's a very thankless job, right? Um, a lot of times it gets wrapped up into the administrative portion of, is this piece of paper here? And of course, because of all the different timelines um, that we talk about, you know, 14 months out, we're, we're putting that out. And uh, when we're dealing with uh, the emotions of individuals making that choice, uh, to, to re-enlist or not re-enlist or what I want to do. Sometimes it takes us to a very finite amount of time left to execute for that ETS. And that's where, you know, getting this conversation started early as a supervisor is very important. If we can talk to our airmen well in advance of, uh, of that ETS, um, then we can take away some of the angst, some of the emotion when it comes time to execute that piece of paper so that everything is in place in time and it's not a mad rush. It's not a, one of those hairs on fire, got to find an officer right now to re-enlist, and I got to get this paperwork in time, right? So thank you for taking that on. Thank you to your career, your, your group career advisors that do it, and thank you for the unit, really, at the tactical level to start that conversation. Right? So thank you for all of that. And then I'd like to emphasize how important um, this program is, right? So when we talk about not just the administrative piece, but the counseling piece, right? That counseling piece is very important because uh, even as a supervisor, sometimes based on the relationship, that unit career advisor, the group career advisor, and the wing career advisor can help flesh out those ideas, maybe provide a different perspective, and then help shape that airman's uh, service, which is really what we're going to look upon. You know, after 20, 20 plus years, uh, potentially, what was that pivot point? Maybe I talked to that career advisor and they realized that I just wasn't happy doing uh support. Maybe I just wasn't happy doing services and you guys provided uh, that opportunity or that that spark somewhere else that gave me that sense of, of why. So, and then just doing it in a timely manner so that it's not uh, set up uh, for failure, right? Because there's been opportunities where people just waited to the last minute and we weren't, and because they would just that one day too long, weren't able to, to re-enlist. And thank you. And then thank you to the airmen out there. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Um, thank you for putting the uniform on. Um, it's because of you that we're possible. And uh, all the good things that you do help uh, keep our enemy at bay. And, uh, you know, kind of keeping up with the tradition. Let's uh, keep on uh, stabbing people in the face through cyberspace. Thank you.